Welcome to Live at the Number. You're here with JB and David Cunningham, and welcome JB to our 25th episode, quarter of a century. Yeah, woohoo! Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound that impressive when you think in cricketing terms, but maybe in rugby terms, 25 uh, isn't bad score in the game. Well, yeah, no. depending on what the other team's got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. So what are we talking about today, Dave? Well, I reckon we should talk about the two OCR hikes since the Reserve Bank hiked the OCR. Now, that might sound a bit weird. What am I meaning when I say that, do you reckon? Yeah, okay, so this is uh, home loan rates going up even though the OCR hasn't moved. Exactly, so the last OCR move was 24th of May, five months ago. That's ages ago, right? Five months ago. Yeah. And uh, in that time, after rates settled down post the OCR with adjustments to mortgage rates, we've had two significant bursts of lifts in home loan rates, the most recent yesterday. Yeah. And uh, that's effectively seen a 50 basis point lift in pretty much the whole fixed rate curve, which as we, as we know is what New Zealand have 90% of their mortgages are on fixed rates. So yep. if you're getting a new fixed rate, a new loan, or rolling off a lower rate to a new rate, Today, you're paying about half percent more than you were five months ago. Equals a pretty significant OCR hike, in my view. But the OCR hike that wasn't an OCR hike. Yeah, yeah. And so who's benefited from that? Well, depositors have. Some depositors have benefited from it. So turn deposit rates have risen about 30 basis points over that time frame. Yeah. 35, actually. Yeah. So that's for the one-year term deposit rate. The other rates, some of them have gone up. Most haven't, though, right? But many haven't because, you know, as we've sort of talked about previously, many banks, you know, they price the special at a narrow margin and, you know, all the other rates sort of just drift along, you know, for example, three-month rates. That, are, so obviously, you know, banks are making a lot more money on mortgages because they've taken an extra 50 points in margin. Yep. So just to crystallise that point, since the OCR move and things settled down after that, mortgage rates, for example, the one-year mortgage, which is we know is where a lot of the flows are going, one year, 18 months, two years, but picking the one year, the margin on mortgages is up against wholesale by half a percent. Yep. So that's the sort of hike, not up yep. as much against TD rates. So here's here's the first little lie that you will hear from banks when they justify why mortgage rates are going up, that wholesale rates have increased, but they haven't, right? Well, they have. lie might be a bit of a tough word, but it's <laughs> probably, probably, JB, half truth. Half truth, the better okay, word. Because yes, the one year swap rate has barely moved since five months ago. Yeah. On the other hand, the five-year swap rate's up 75 basis yeah, points. that's up quite a bit. And that's been driven by offshore influences. So you've seen US Treasuries. I yep. mean, they're, the, yep. they're really the main driver is this inflation higher for longer view has, yes. has become pretty embedded. So we've sort of seen the five-year swap rate move from about four and a half to five and a quarter. Yeah. So 75 points. But of course, no one's taken a five-year mortgage mortgage rate of them. Yeah. And have you seen them? You, no, we've no So no one's taking a five-year mortgage or a minuscule number of sort of mortgages. So you can sort of say wholesale rates have risen up to 75 points. Yes, but irrelevant. Whereas the bit of the curve that matters, they haven't risen particularly much at all. Yeah. But to be fair to banks, the term deposit rates, especially the one-year sort of terms, have it's risen. Gone up. And so their margins have gone down. So how much, how much of the housing book would be funded by term deposits? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I should know. Yeah. Well, let's have a look. So banks, I'm just looking at the retail deposit books, but the TD book is 120 odd billion in total. So, you know, gradually that will sort of drift up yeah. in price. The savings book is 75 billion and transaction accounts, which pay pretty much no interest, is 40 billion. So there's a bit below a quarter of a trillion dollars where 
maybe 200 million of that's increased uh, in yield a bit or quite a bit, uh, a bit in the case of savings accounts. So the average rate on the savings accounts today is 3.7% roughly, compared to the OCR at 5.5. TDs are sort of near a 5.5 now. Flip side of that, home loans, $350 billion market. So, uh, yeah. We're talking a lot of big numbers here, Mm. you know, for the, the average punter out there. So I guess we're sort of saying that mortgage rates have gone up half a percent. We've seen about a 35 basis point increase in the competitive end of term deposits. Yeah, but I'd sort of say the overall, if you take term deposits, saving accounts and transaction accounts on that funding, interest rates in that same time frame have probably risen about 0.1%. Okay, 0.1, yeah. 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 So nothing on transaction, almost nothing actually on the savings accounts. You haven't heard of any savings accounts rates going up. No. And a fair amount on TD. So I reckon about 0.1, maybe 0.15. At a simplistic level, this is margin expansion, right? So lending Mm. rates have gone up uh, further and faster than deposit rates, Mm -hmm. which is banks taking more margin. Mm -hmm. Now, just another sort of little flip side there, though, is the amount of money in transaction accounts, which of course makes the banks lots of money, has dropped by a bit. Savings accounts are pretty much held and TDs have sort of gone up. So sort of net on net, there's been a bit of a margin or profit degradation from people moving their money out of no interest accounts to accounts paying sort of something. So, you know, as a bank, you know, what you're sort of facing is a very slow market. Mortgage volumes are up three and a bit percent in the last 12 months. Yeah. You've seen a little bit of a bleed from transaction accounts to high margin accounts, even if they're low margin. And so, hey, when the master in Australia says, (laughs) more money this year than last year, gentlemen and ladies running the banks, then something's got to give. And that give is margin, right? It's not going to come, the profit growth's not going to come from balance sheet growth. Yeah. So, so I guess what's interesting is, you know, one could argue that profit preservation, i.e. we need to increase yep. margins because customers are moving into higher yielding products, that's costing us and therefore we need to increase mortgage rates. That would certainly be, you know, maybe more justifiable mm. than mm. I need to increase my profit this year from last year. Mm. and you buggers are making it harder, yeah. so, um, so... So perhaps it's more profit preservation, but let's just wind back a bit. The interest margin that banks made going back a couple of years was 2%. Today it's 2.5%. So they're setting right. a 25% increase in their interest margin, which they're sort of seeking to preserve. So, you know, it feels like we're beating up on the banks about it. Is, is it that justified? <laughs> well, we are beating we're up pretty... on the banks a little bit. Look, I, I guess it's interesting because what I would hate to see is, you know, banks reporting increasing profit levels again, you know, and we're, we're way, way off them reporting this because, you know, if you think about financial year ends, we're now talking about next year, right? So it's, it's sort of June next year would be the earliest with ASB and then... The other yeah. major Australian banks aren't until September yeah, next we'll year. we'll have half, half we, years. We, yeah, we have, I think yeah. the bank's balance sheet says September, so we'll yeah. have the four-year results. What are we now? Yeah, we'll have the four-year results in about two weeks. So yeah. actually, well, the, the second half results in particular will be interesting to see what's going to happen. I suspect it will show the substantial lift in profits is maintained. Um, probably we'll see an increase in bad debts. Uh, yeah. you know, banks take the opportunity to sort of squirrel a bit away there. Yeah, so hey, in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably do a bit of an analysis of what's actually happened as our supposition is that the much higher levels of profit will be preserved 
potentially not increase, but you know, gearing up for the next financial year, you've got to remember the new financial year started for most of our Australian-owned banks um, three weeks ago. So they're now getting you know runs on the board early. Maybe. Yeah, there's something that feels wrong, which is it feels like it's the only industry where you can pretty much lock in year-on-year profit growth, and there's always justification for it. But what other industry can completely ignore economic cycles and competition and literally just run year-on-year profit growth over decades? Mm. Mm. Um, it's a good question. Is that why we've got a banking inquiry? Yeah. Yeah. To well, which there have been a lot of submissions and analysis showing that banks make a perfectly acceptable return on equity of around 13%. Yeah, and look, I mean, if, if you had efficiencies and innovations that were driving profit growth, you go, fine, you know, hey, just invented a new iPhone, just invented this, just invented that, and it drives profit. Fantastic. If it's coming from... Uh, you know, I mean, you could have some debate about whether, you know, if it's coming from building more houses and a growing population and GDP growth, kind of fine. When you've got an economy that's going backwards mm. and a cost of living crisis mm. and you're not innovating and you're not creating new value for the economy, is it fine then? Well, I mean, I think what we'll find, though, is un- unfortunately the reality is the market study into competition and retail banking in New Zealand with their first draft of their report in March next year, so another five months away. What's it going to find? I think it's going to find that, you know, there's plenty of competition. It's just that oligopolies compete, but they don't compete, right? By way of example, ASB went after profit and increased their home loan rates about six or eight weeks ago, and we called them out for it. You know, mm. Kiwi Bank was offering rates almost half a percent lower. Lo and behold, all those banks are now pretty much at or moving towards that level of ASB. So it's sort of like you sit on the sidelines going, well, hold on, we can take another 20 basis points here. There's not a lot of growth, so we may as well just sort of put it in the back pocket rather well, than well, yeah. pass it on to customers. Yeah, no, it's sort of true. I do think that Kiwi Bank benefited from that for sure because, mm. like, one of the things that we're experiencing at the moment with Kiwi Bank is they're so busy <laughs> yeah. that we've got real delays with them. So the customer service side of it is not so good at the moment, mm. but it's because they've had so much success mm. uh, generating market share growth. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because that was the market outcome that you'd like to sort of see. So yeah. lower growth for the banks pricing high, high growth for the banks pricing yeah. lower, but you run out of capacity to deal with that um, that volume interesting <laughs> yeah well that's right right so it's working on the fringes but it's such a big industry and, and these are such big markets yeah. that it actually takes a long time to have a, a serious impact mm-hmm. right you know mm-hmm. Kiwi Bank can be winning over short periods of time but this is a pretty big and slow-moving super tanker. That said, though, shouldn't technology do the heavy lifting? Because you know what we see in our business and mortgage advisory is we see a hell of a lot of vanilla deals that just go to the banks. They could give us their credit card delegation. We've got the credit skills in our team to say yes or no, and they can just take it on the books if they had technology. You know, you can have controls and things like that. But capacity constraints actually shouldn't be a barrier in today's world if you're investing in technology to create efficiency. Are banks doing that? Yeah, oh, no, I agree, Dave, and no, I think there's opportunities there. I mean, well, things like LINs, you know, I mean, the whole land transfer system's pretty archaic. The fact you have to go and see lawyers is a bit outdated and expensive. So, I mean, there are transaction costs there that are still unavoidable. They're not bank costs, they're just 
system costs really. But then the other side of it is, you know, I mean, let's be honest, Kiwi Bank couldn't take all the volume anyway yeah. well, because they simply don't have the capital, capital for it. Capital constraint, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's another sort of issue. There simply need to be more new competitors into the marketplace. You know, well, like, you could say that, but then who would want to come in? <laughs> I mean, as a country of, you know, five and a half million people, it's not awfully exciting. Yeah, well, you know, the banks only make... They leave. Cheap. I mean, HSBC's well, gone yeah, now. Yeah, but hey, let's get real. <laughs> you know, would you want to enter a market where the profit pool is only... $10 billion. <laughs> Probably. But, but yeah, you're right. It's damn hard. And, you know, to come in and establish a new brand is really challenging, isn't it? Well, and, and the thing is, yes, $10 billion, but uh, that's from very large market with very established players. Mm. Um, it would take a very long time to get there. Mm. So, so where does that leave us as a market then? I guess this conversation started with two OCR hikes in effect because banks could, so they did expand their margins to protect their profits. So profit bonanza ticked for the banks, cost of living crisis for the rest of us. <laughs> it's not right, but it's hard to see the solution. It's a, yeah. Maybe JB, we should grow squirrel to be New Zealand's biggest home lender or something. Well, that might help. Yeah. Hey, um, so just picking up the impact on the economy of these hikes in interest rates. So, you know, what will the Reserve Bank's because you know they set the OCR at 5.5. There have been three OCR reviews since then and they've consistently said you're indicated they're on hold watching the inflation numbers and the underlying economic activity. They've reflected the fact that mortgage rates are still repricing upwards for many, many New Zealanders. I think we've had about 5.2% on average now. Mm-hmm. Today your mortgage rate to get a new mortgage is going to be 7.2. So yeah. there's still a mighty lot of tightening to come and 50 points more than it was, you know, six months ago, five months ago, will they be happy with these high mortgage rates or will actually they be really concerned? Should we give them a call? <laughs> um, the, um, look, I don't know. I mean, they've forecast out this ongoing tightening coming through with the OCR increasing, but I doubt that they've actually forecast banks taking extra margin on the way through. So I think this is tightening further then the RBNZ would have been forecasting right off mm. their 5.5% OCR. So, um, unless I've got some pretty sophisticated modelling there. So, yeah, look, I mean, my view on it is, and, and you know, I've had this view for a while, that the economy is slowing down, I think, faster mm. than most people realise. Mm. Um, I think as we get more and more data, it's supportive of the economy slowing down. Yeah. You and I have been concerned for ages that this ongoing tightening hasn't been properly factored into most decision making. Mm. You know, certainly when you sort of hear the market talking, mm. it's like... Well, I mean, this is the thing, yeah, you know, retail, you know, the numbers coming out, tell the story of a radically weakening economy, especially in population-adjusted sort of terms. So, you know, we've seen retail sales falling in dollar value, not just volume, but dollar value, despite a population, I think it's 2% bigger than it was a year ago, you know, 110,000 migrants. We've seen inflation come in unexpectedly low last week at 5.6%. 5.6 versus RBNZ's forecast of 6. And that was with petrol and then... Yeah, and petrol was a sort of rates, insurance with the three big drivers there, and rents. There's a great website that tracks real-time data, like you know daily spending patterns from the payment companies and so on, and, and a whole bunch of metrics called GDP Live. Its latest forecast is for 0.3% GDP growth in the September quarter. 
and inflation coming down, and they've cons- that model has consistently over-forecast the inflation rate by about 0.4% in the last year or so. So we've got that. We had, you know, my favourite one is the truckometer, which is the ANZ. It's an ANZ metric. It basically tracks the number of trucks on the road each month, light trucks and heavy trucks. And on an annual basis, we're actually lower index-wise than a year ago for both light and heavy. So in other words, the economy, the number of trucks moving around New Zealand in September this year was lower than September last year on an annual moving basis. It's about flat. But again, that's in an economy that's bigger, um, with bigger population. And of course, all of this immigration has been high quality. <laughs> well, if you if you want to get a drink at a bar or in a food at a restaurant, yeah. it's great quality because you can now get it without waiting. Yeah, but it's <laughs> but okay. yeah, it's not scientists and well, there's few, but it's not scientists and teachers and doctors and nurses. It's it's lower wage workers and the hospitality yeah. and travel industry. Yeah, and it's and taken yeah. it's taken the pressure out of those industries. So it's taken mm-hmm. the inflationary pressure out. Mm-hmm. It's not a major driver of. Uh, GDP, yeah. and you know, as you said, on a population basis, we're going backwards, but also a lot of the immigration's just not adding a lot of wealth mm. to the economy either, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, so back to the Reserve Bank then. So the Reserve Bank has seen higher interest rates consistently rising over the last four months, five months since the last hike, and even since the last OCR review. They've got another review coming up in November, I think it's late November, Will these hikes actually pull forward the timing of no. the interest rate cut? No. So they'll just so. watch there, and wait. No, there's, there's no way they'll cut before Christmas. Oh, no, no, I don't mean before Christmas, but in terms of next year, in terms of their forecast interest rate cuts, well, will that, they that, start to forecast that? Because they sort of have to. They can't, yeah. their models can't, they can't lie what their models are saying, can they? You know, yeah. The model's saying, you know, the economy is going to be weaker and therefore the inflationary pressures are going to be more modest and therefore you know, interest rates will fall. Their forward track surely must be published in terms of what they... they yeah, need. maybe they'll bring it forward a little bit because I think the current forecast, it's out basically at the start of 2025, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So they could bring that forward a little bit. I wouldn't expect any more than that because, you know, I mean, you know what happens in this part of the cycle. It's like... We're not dropping rates anytime soon. We're not dropping any rates soon. We're not dropping rates anytime soon. Oh shit, we're dropping rates. Yeah, I mean, and, it's, and then suddenly the Ford curve will sort of drop. drop <laughs> and then it will collapse, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the serious risk for these guys, and this is typically what happens in, in these cycles, right, is that they actually drop too late. By the time they drop, the economy's tanking, mm. and a drop in rates isn't going to fix the problem quickly. This is the thing, right? They always put rates up too late, and you know, the economy's taking off, and then they're behind mm. the eight ball, and then they drop rates too late, mm. and the economy's already tanked. It's like they need to be dropping rates before or the full impact of this credit tightening comes through, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say they should. <laughs> we'll put you in charge sometimes. Soon. <laughs> but, but I think the point is, though, you know, the market starts to anticipate. And so the market drops rates anyway. So the wholesale yield curve for even one, two, three years will start to drop. You know, we've got a five-year swap rate that says the OCR is going to be above 5% for the next five years. Now, I've place money on that not being the outcome (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. But those rates will start to move as sort of the doves take over in terms of economist views and traders will start to position in the wholesale markets. 
So, you know, at the moment, you've actually got quite a good balance between the doves and hawks. You know, the doves are the weaker global growth story, the pass-through impact of interest rates still coming through, you know, a sharper cyclical downturn, migration lowering pressure on wages, you know, continuing fiscal restraint or even yeah. more fiscal constraint than we have. So that's the doves. In other words, the people that think rates going down, the hawks are actually still calling for another OCR increase. <laughs> I, I find that just extraordinary. That's, I think, Westpac and ANZ. I just find that extraordinary. But their view is inflation is more consistent, the housing market has turned, and so that's creating demand pressures and wealth effects and spending and so on. The 5.5% OCR isn't disinflationary enough, so more, more work's needed. The exchange rate falls, so prices goes up. But I think those sort of hawkish sort of stances will start to melt over the next you know, three or four months. I mean, in the meantime, though, JB, we're probably stuck at mortgage rates where they are. What are we now? Normally at this time of year, spring campaigns, you know, banks are fighting with each other to see who can have the lowest rate and the biggest cash giveaway. It's non-existent at the moment, right? Yeah. You know, there's no interest rate competition apparent at all. Is that a fair observation from what you see in the market? Yeah. 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 What about cashbacks? Are they cashbacks are still there, still there. you know, so yeah. you can still get up to sort of 0.8 of a percent um, yeah. cashback, which is pretty decent. You know, look, if, if you've been with your bank for a while, refinancing is still quite an attractive option. Mm. But, you know, if you're buying a house, there's not a lot of competition out there. I think the point is it's just there's very slow growth in mortgages outstanding, which doesn't mean profits aren't increasing. When the market's growing 10%, hey, I'll give up a bit of margin because I'll get the volume to make it up and deliver the profit. When that volume is subdued, you're not gonna compete on interest rates, which is sort of back to the start of the conversation. In a low growth market, margins uh, are required to expand to deliver profits. Simple as that. Yeah, and you know, as much as I think you were sort of suggesting in there amongst the hawks that you know the housing market's starting to take off again, it's not taking off again. I uh, can't, mm. not, not at these interest mm. rates. Mm. Well, actually, we were looking yesterday at the rolling 12-month real estate sales, and I think the only two markets that are noticeably higher than at any point in the last 30 years are Queenstown and Christchurch. Yeah. So every other market is pretty much bumping along the lows in terms of sales activity in real estate. That's not a market taking off, I guess. And prices have stopped falling, but they haven't sort of started rising appreciably. You know, there, I guess, it feels like they're bumping along now for a bit, you know, constrained by high interest rates, right? Yeah, high interest rates and affordability. Is, it's just not there. So I think the market's coming back to life, yeah. but it's certainly not taking off. Yeah. Okay, hey, well, let's close with... Uh, $69 million question, that's the saying, isn't it? Um, one year, two year, three year, five year, floating, what should customers be considering in terms of the, the term? Because, you know, <laughs> I guess we've said many times, go short, you know, look at your own circumstances, um, how much certainty you need, but as a general observation, be shorter, one year, two year. Actually, if you'd taken three or five year, you'd probably be feeling pretty good with yourself right now. So what's your view in terms of what, is the best approach. Well, well, I, think if, I, th I think if you look at it today, you would say short. I think six months is too short. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've been asked about six month rates recently and I, I'm like, don't get too caught up on anticipating when rates fall because mm -hmm. uh, it's a game you won't win. One year feels like that's uh, long enough that it's inside most projections. 
uh, certainly within ours, uh, in terms of when rates will start to fall. So, you know, a one-year fixed rate, if you're really nervous about rates and affordability is a real issue for you and you want that certainty, then, you know, by all means go out to about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, a- anything longer than that, and the risk that you face is that if and when rates do fall and if you wanted to then break those loans or mm-hmm. for whatever reason you need to break those loans, you could be exposed to quite high break fees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember myself a few years back going through, you know, thinking I was smart having a five-year at 5.5 when short-term yeah. rates were seven. That difference isn't there today. It felt good for a while, but man, it felt bad when rates were three and a half, but it felt sweet when I finally came off that sort of fixed rate. You know, and yes, you can break it, but you're not generally getting ahead by doing that. So. And I think the other thing is just, I think we've got to condition people for not expecting rates to get back down anywhere near as low as they did no, get. They're not, they're not going to two, sub 3%, are they? But, but no. you know, the 4 to 5% range is probable in the medium. I think that's what people realistically should be thinking about. When they're looking forward, Anticipating rates sort of between that four and five percent range, I think, sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to go lower than that. Look, I say that, and then they could, but <laughs> um, but I, I think if you're looking forward, you know, four to five percent uh, at some point in the next couple of years feels like a realistic number. Yeah, yeah, okay. And just to remind everyone, that sort of generic advice, just you know, each of your circumstances will be different. So talk to a financial advisor, a mortgage consultant, mortgage advisor who can look at your personal circumstance. Yeah. I think that's a wrap for this week, JB. Interesting conversation and, you know, go the bank profit bonanza uh, while we all suffer a bit yeah. of a cost of living sort of crisis. And go the ABs on Sunday. Go the ABs on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Although this will probably be uh, after they've won or yeah. lost the game. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. hopefully everyone's pretty yeah. excited. Yeah. Well, if we won. win, it could be a boost for GDP. If we lose, <laughs> yeah. I think we might be over that. But we've always got the Cricket World Cup to look forward to as well, yeah. haven't we? So long as we don't face best Afghanistan. Who seems to be the giant killer? England and who was it? Pakistan, I think. Yeah. Extraordinary. Okay, hey, that's us for another week. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.